Long History's Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 20, Frederick Robinson, also known as Viscount Godridge and a man with many other names. He was Prime Minister between the 31st of August 1827 and the 8th of January 1828. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week by Long History. This week we've got one of the Prime Ministers with the shortest term in office ever, less than four months. And here on Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, as usual we'll ask how did he end up with the job, and in this case we'll ask why did he leave so quickly. Along the way we'll explain why this man had so many names, including a number of nicknames, some good, some bad, such as Goody, Prosperity and The Blubberer. There are lots of these episodes available now of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. You'll find them either on your podcast provider or we've gathered them all together on longhistory.net. That's long history or one word, where you'll find all of Long History's episodes. I think we've got over 250 now. But here we go with Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 20, Frederick Robinson, a man of many names. As I've produced these episodes of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, I think there's over 10 now. And so far there's been little significant competition at the top for Best Prime Minister ever. The only two potential candidates so far have been Robert Walpole and Winston Churchill, both for very different reasons. And those episodes are available so you can hear the arguments there. The race for Worst Prime Minister, however, is becoming much more interesting. There are many more potential categories, the most disastrous Prime Minister for example, the most unfit for the job, the Prime Minister who had the least impact. We could look at who crashed the economy, who created and prolonged wars, who supported objectionable policies, who was just completely out of control, or perhaps worst of all, who did nothing. Frederick Robinson in this context belongs to a surprisingly large group currently of eight Prime Ministers, who lasted less than a year in office. Death or illness occasionally was the reason for such a short stint in the job, but most of the time, being as generous as possible, such a short stint is rarely due to excellence in the job. And Frederick Robinson is a case in point. This aristocrat had more than enough titles, Viscount Godridge, Lord Godridge and the Earl of Ripon, but such titles did not bring with them an ability to run the country effectively. He gained his most famous nickname due to one notorious incident, when he reacted to his home being attacked by protesters. He was called the Blubberer. Now I can think of circumstances where a crying Prime Minister can be seen as a good thing, but in this case Frederick Robinson's tears did not go down well, as we'll see. What was Frederick Robinson like? Well, before we dismiss this man as a total lightweight due to his emotional outburst, it's worth mentioning that he introduced the 1815 Corn Laws to Parliament. At the time he was Vice President of the Board of Trade while working under the Prime Minister Robert Jenkinson, the Earl of Liverpool. Now if you've heard of the Corn Laws, you'll know how devastating they were, and that's despite the rather innocuous name but they were in fact so controversial and devastating that their consequences are still felt today. Especially as one of the consequences of this act was to exacerbate the Irish potato famine. The Corn Laws artificially inflated the prices of all grains, and it was a policy which benefited the rich and devastated the poorest. 
Frederick Robinson presented this Act of Parliament more than a decade before becoming Prime Minister himself, but it led to a lot of protests and Frederick Robinson's house being vandalised a number of times by outraged protesters. This even led to two people being shot, one of whom died. It was when Frederick Robinson described these events to Parliament, apparently, that he shed tears, which apparently led to this unflattering name of the blubberer. As we've seen before on Long History's random UK Prime Minister of the Week, Robinson seemed to be effective when he was the number two, perhaps being a more effective right-hand man than a leader. As well as working on the Board of Trade, he spent four years as Chancellor of the Exchequer, and his success in the role earned him another nickname, Prosperity. His time in government also continued for many years after he left the job of Prime Minister. When the spotlight was shone directly on him, however, contemporary commentators noted that he simply didn't appear to be able to cope with the pressure of the job. Lacking the ability to deal with the powerful personalities of the people at the top of British politics at the time, not least George IV, but also the coalition that he inherited and could not manage. Whereas some people seem to relish the role of Prime Ministers, for others, and Frederick Robinson in particular, there's no pleasure in the responsibilities. Instead, the job just brought stress and sleepless nights. He married Sarah Hobart in 1814 and would have one surviving child with her, who would actually live into the 20th century. One interesting detail is that this child was born in 10 Downing Street, the home of all the UK's Prime Ministers while in office, and this man would go on to become Viceroy of India, so this is a family that's very much at the heart of the establishment, as was often, if not always, the case in those days. What was the historical background? We're talking about the years 1827 and 1828, when Frederick Robinson was Prime Minister. It seems to have been a relatively quiet time for Britain. The Napoleonic Wars finished on the 20th of November 1815, leading to a relatively peaceful era for the UK, at least in terms of wars. The Industrial Revolution was beginning to take off, as was the British Empire. Europe was in the process of reshaping itself after those wars, and the Spanish Empire, in the meantime, was in the middle of its main period of being dismantled, with many of its colonies declaring their independence around this time, including Peru and Bolivia. This was the era of George IV, who was the king from 1820 to 1830, although he'd been in public life for many years before that, having been the Prince Regent before that, ruling in lieu of the king who was ill, before becoming king himself, in 1820, at the age of 57. What was the UK specifically like at that time? Well, this was the relatively undramatic era between the Napoleonic Wars and the Great Reform Act, which extended the vote to many people in 1832. So we can perhaps say that reform was in the air at that time. The US had gained its independence a few decades earlier, the French had had their revolution, the UK had won the Napoleonic Wars and the country was in the grip of an industrial revolution. Things were changing and people wanted more. One example of this, and one standout issue at the time, could be traced back at least to 1801 and in fact much further, but this was when Ireland was combined with Great Britain to create the new version of the United Kingdom. It left the issue of Catholic emancipation, that is treating Protestants and Catholics on the same terms, as an open issue. Some had argued that there could not be a true union between the two countries 
without the state treating Catholics on the same terms as Protestants. However, the kings in those decades, and the more traditional Tories, could not accept that Catholics and Protestants be treated on the same terms. It would be seen as a weakening of the religion that they represented. By the end of the 1820s, the issue had still not been resolved and was turning into an open wound. One attempt to resolve it came with the Catholic Emancipation Act of 1829, which would remove the barriers for Roman Catholics entering higher government offices. This was only in theory, however, because other factors would in fact make it more difficult. This Catholic Emancipation Act was 1829, the Great Reform Act was 1832, so we can see how the representation of people was very much a live issue at the time. We like to look at the wages of the people of the time and found one statistic that a butler working for a country gentleman with an income of around £17,000 a year would himself earn about £50 a year. In today's figures, the country gentleman would make about £2 million or $2.5 million per year, while the butler would earn £5,800 or $7,300. What were some key events in the US at the time? John Quincy Adams was the President of the US during the brief time when Frederick Robinson was Prime Minister. He was in office from 1825 to 1829, being only the second one-term President, his father John Adams being the first one-term President. Missouri and Maine were both admitted to the United States at the beginning of the 1820s. Who could vote? Well, we've already mentioned the famous Great Reform Act of 1832, but this was before then. And perhaps the latest series of revolving door prime ministers was a sign of the stresses of the job at that time. The average person in the meantime could only stand back and watch as the aristocrats and landed gentry decided who would represent constituencies. Some cities were expanding, yet they didn't have any members of parliament while other traditional boroughs, sometimes called rotten boroughs, had so few voters that they could easily be bought. The people wanted more of a say and major changes, which would only come with the Reform Act, which was only five years away when Frederick Robinson was Prime Minister. What was Frederick Robinson's background? He was the second of four Prime Ministers to be born in Yorkshire. He was born in Newby Hall, near to Ripon, in a very smart part of North Yorkshire. He would spend even less time in office than the previous Yorkshire-born office holder, Charles Watson Wentworth, who was another stopgap Prime Minister who remained in the job only for about 15 months. The two other Yorkshiremen would be somewhat more successful in the job. When we mention the word aristocrat, we can guess his education without even looking it up. However, he didn't attend the most popular prime ministerial education establishments at the time, but nevertheless a number of prime ministers have also shared his education. He went to Harrow and then Cambridge University. He gained a seat in Parliament in 1806 at the age of 24. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And he was elected in 1807, again with the help of a family member. We've mentioned two of his jobs in government. He spent five years on the Board of Trade until, in 1823, at the age of 41, he became Chancellor of the Exchequer. How did Frederick Robinson become Prime Minister? A pattern was emerging by the time Frederick Robinson became the 20th Prime Minister. Between 1721, when Robert Walpole, the first Prime Minister, took up the job, and 1827, 
when Frederick Robinson began his four months, of the 20 Prime Ministers that had been, only five of them took up 77 of those 106 years. That meant that another 15 Prime Ministers filled the remaining 30 or so years. So we seem to have a pattern of very long-term Prime Ministers followed by a series of short-term Prime Ministers. We can almost see the role of Prime Minister as a live job interview. What seemed to happen is that when a man was deemed good for the job, he stayed on a relatively long time. And in between those characters, there was a sort of revolving door search for the next decent Prime Minister. The previous one had been Robert Jenkinson, the Earl of Liverpool, who left the top job after almost 15 years in April 1827 due to ill health. That was when the latest series of rotating premierships began. George Canning came first, but he barely had time to settle in the job. Dying in office at the age of 57, before he'd even managed four months in the role. He was in fact the shortest serving Prime Minister for many years until another series of revolving door Prime Ministers began in the late 2010s. When he died in office, he left a surprising job opening that needed to be filled quickly. Robinson was the man the King reached for in this hour of need. But he in fact only lasted 25 days more in office than his predecessor before the revolving door continued to spin. What were Frederick Robinson's biggest achievements as Prime Minister? Well, as you can perhaps guess, with such a short time in office, it's hard to talk in terms of achievements. In terms of the shortest time in office, he's still in the third place even now, and one fact resulting from this short time is perhaps the only thing that makes him stand out as a Prime Minister. He's the only Prime Minister to head a government that never met in a session of Parliament. Why did Frederick Robinson stop being Prime Minister? This is perhaps a more pertinent question. And really the cards were stacked against him from the start. We've said that Robinson's predecessor died before he reached four months in office. However, his predecessor, Robert Jenkinson, the Earl of Liverpool, had stayed in the job for 15 years. That means that the top job had been stable for over a decade and a half. And when he left the job, there was a major shift in alliances. So when Canning came into the job, he was forced to put together a coalition of Whigs and Tories, the two parties at the time. Robinson had aligned himself with this predecessor, George Canning, when he was in office. However, when George Canning died, he inherited that coalition of Whigs and Tories, formed by his predecessor. So he had no personal stake in this coalition. Especially in this time, when the parties were still realigning themselves after the departure of Robert Jenkinson, the Earl of Liverpool. This was still barely four months ago when Robinson entered office. So it seems that the government just couldn't be held together. One biography states that there was no doubt about Frederick Robinson's honesty, but that he was just too indecisive to keep the government together. Apparently he cried again when he offered his resignation to the king, but he seems to have recovered quite quickly when he was relieved of the job. Those sleepless nights finally came to an end. Why should we remember Frederick Robinson? So in this case it's quite easy to see Frederick Robinson as a bit of a humorous character, especially due to that nickname the Blubberer. But he had introduced and was in government during the whole time of the Corn Laws. He was still in government when they were repealed in 1846 and did support that repeal, although by that time millions of people had died or been displaced. 
he seems to have been a much more successful Chancellor than Prime Minister. But he does seem to have been uniquely unfit for the role of Prime Minister. Indecisive, anxiety-ridden, perhaps we like the honesty and the pleasantness, but it also has to come with a bit of backbone. And before we get too generous, don't forget that this was the start of the Industrial Revolution. So there will have been many times in history when the person in charge of the country's finances will have had more challenging issues to deal with. The country was booming. And when the job did become problematic due to a financial crisis, Robinson apparently asked the then Prime Minister to be moved on from the role. Unfortunately for him, the man he asked soon resigned due to illness and then the next Prime Minister died in office, so he was in fact moved into the top job, just when he seems to have asked for less, not more, responsibilities. To finish off this episode about Frederick Robinson, it's worth mentioning that in many ways he seems to have been on the right side of history. He seems to have been a well-connected, pleasant aristocrat who was, frankly, overpromoted. He did support the abolition of slavery, however, when rather amazingly not everyone did, and his support also for Catholic emancipation and other progressive issues gave him another nickname, Goody. Although this was a slightly mocking nickname, and although we cannot really find anything good to say about him as Prime Minister, there are worse names to be remembered by. He was in fact a man of many names. He was Frederick Robinson, Viscount Godrich, Lord Godrich, the Earl of Ripon, Prosperity, the Goody, and let's not forget, the Blubberer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. I hope that interested you. Although we focus on their time as Prime Minister, of course these people often had long lives, and so in many ways they sum up the history of the UK. But as always, I like to stress that this is just an introduction to this Prime Minister. If you're interested, please do go on to do further research. Before you move on, it would be great if you could like this episode if you've made it to this point to help promote it and share it with anyone who might be interested. Thank you for listening. This was Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 20, Frederick Robinson, a man of many names. Goodbye.